Welcome to the show, Brain Health, Unchaining Your Pain. I am super excited to welcome Dr. Cynthia Leibert to the show today. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you, Dr. Ruth. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm very grateful so, to be here. Oh, it's, uh, I'm really, really excited to talk about this topic of brain health with you because I know, uh, for those that don't know, um, Cindy is a functional medicine physician who helps people recover from complex chronic illnesses so that they can live their lives to the fullest. Her expertise is in brain health, specifically the mind-body connection and the prevention and reversal of cognitive decline. Her passion project is a ministry called The Joy Prescription, which I, I love that name, <laughs> an online membership community that helps people build physical, mental and emotional resilience with lifestyle medicine and biblical wisdom. Wow. Wow, what's a uh, what's a background, and I'm so excited that you bring those that spiritual aspect to it as well, which I think is so important. Thank you, Ruth, and thank you so much for what you're doing. I'm just really grateful for you. You're such an inspiration to me. Oh. I love the podcast, and I've got a chance to delve into it a bit and and watch several of the episodes. And you're doing really great work. So thank oh. you for what oh. you're doing. Oh, thank you. That's really kind. So I know that we've both kind of been drawn together by the amazing Fallon because we've both done some uh, <laughs> right. Fallon Jordan who was previously on the show. Mm -hmm. And we've both um, been through the uh, Amen protocol and That's certified right. as brain health professionals. And I know you've gone a lot further um, by looking at the work that Dr. Dale Bredesen um, does with his protocol as well, which is for those that don't know, is to help people who are um, struggling with cognitive decline. Um, but before we start with all of that exciting stuff that we're going to talk about, I would love to know what you're really passionate about right now. Goodness. Well, I am really passionate about creating my own joy prescription. Actually, I, there's a long story. I've, um, I'm a conventionally trained family physician, and I've turned into a functional medicine brain health specialist. And there's a lot of backstory there. I suffer with pretty significant moral trauma and injury early on in my career. And we can delve into that later, kind of teetered on the edge of burnout and wow. suffered with just a really myriad of health issues myself, stress-related, occupationally-related, mm -hmm. um, due to my the medical training and just working inside the dysfunctional healthcare system. And so thankfully, <laughs> over the last 10, 15 years, I've had um, extraordinary uh, growth and healing personally. And this is what's evolving into what I'm calling the joy prescription. Yay. Sort of a, a framework for how I've healed and, and what I now get to share with the world. So that's that's what I'm passionate about. Do you know, I think that's such an important message because we 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 see so much news at the moment in burnout from a physician perspective in the, you know, medical practitioners who really are in the traditional system where it's kind of almost expected to a certain degree that you that you go beyond what you're really 
capable of in terms of the time that you work and the hours that you work at a real detriment to your brain and whole body health. And I love it that you've been able to leverage your experience and turn it into something that you're truly passionate about in terms of creating the joy prescription to really help people Thank you, take that, that control. <laughs> so I'd love to know from your perspective, what does optimal brain health mean for you personally, given the journey you've been on? Yeah, well, wonderful question. <laughs> I'm glad that you asked that. Certainly, I, I know we have the connection with Dr. Daniel Amen, and he has that great quote that the brain is the software to our soul. And wow, yeah. that, that is just so powerful to me. The brain is really everything. It's how, it's how we think and move and feel and how we can just access all of those high level emotional states like contentment and compassion yeah. and grace and kindness and love. And so all those experiences that make life worth living and that's what it's all about. So certainly brain health is health <laughs> because without our a healthy brain, our body is not healthy. It controls all of our organs and all those little processes that keep our body alive, our cells running. And so for me personally, it really is just about caring for my body and tending uh -huh. to it in, in a way, uh, kind of a self-love, self-care way. And so I really try to optimize sleep. <laughs> That's number one. That's part, a big part of what I've been deprived of over my, my early uh, adult life with medical training and uh -huh. you know, super long shifts. And then of course, motherhood. I'm, I'm a mom of three daughters. They're Aww. 10, 14, and 17. So, wow, that's a handful for <laughs> three girls over over that period. That must be exciting, but yeah, challenging. No, no shortage of uh, interesting and and fun things happening <laughs> in the Liebert household, <laughs> for sure. But thankfully, I'm now at a stage in my life, and also kind of had the emotional spiritual growth to allow me to actually carve out the everyday kind of structure of my life to be able to take care of myself better. And so I prioritize sleep. I, I wear my little device, my little aura ring, just yeah. to track that and find that very helpful, just that feedback of what helps sleep. And, you know, that's, that's when we repair is at night. And if we're not getting good quality sleep, we're not repairing our body and you know, allowing those little uh, microglia, the cells of our immune system, to clear out all the metabolic waste from the day, and and so it's it's really critical. So sleep is a big piece of what brain health <laughs> means to me. Physical movement and yeah. exercise has really been extraordinarily important in my own repair and recovery from all the the damage that I've done in life. Um, I used to be an athlete growing up and and so that's always been a big part of my life but then there was a large stretch there where I just focused on having babies, doing medical school, residency, 
doing all the things that needed to be done to take care of my patients in the office and the hospital and the nursing home. And mm. it was just a very, very full, full kind of chaotic life. And I didn't prioritize my own self-care, which is terribly ironic when, mm. when you consider what I was attempting to do as a doctor, helping people mm. to get better. Mm. So I do high intensity interval training now. I lift weights. I jog, hike, walk. As, you know, I move as much as I can. Of course, it's it's challenging when we have uh, work that requires us to be mm -hmm. seated and in front of the computer. But I, I really try to incorporate a lot of physical exercise and movement, mindful movement throughout the day. So that's a piece of sleep and movement. And then we can't forget food. Yeah. Food as our medicine for sure. And as you probably know, that's not emphasized in medical school. We don't have very much training at all. In fact, I just, I remember uh, like learning about total parental nutrition when in hospitalized patients who are critically ill that's that's pretty much about what i yeah learned. And I, it's I, shocking I, isn't it and i it, don't it, think it's really shifted that much um by all accounts from people i talk to i don't think there's been a huge shift towards greater education in the medical profession of 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 the vital importance of nutrition and you know we we often hear nutrition is medicine it, it is let your and, and it needs to be, be your pharmacy as yeah. one of my mentors uh, used to say so yes so uh definitely the the food aspect is so important trying to eat the colors of the rainbow with all those yeah. little micronutrients and phytochemicals that stimulate our genes to to create health in our body and all the fiber from the plant compounds that nurture our microbiome and, mm -hmm. and create health there. So in addition to food, and then another vital component to brain health to me is connection. It's oh, so yeah. central, just connection with my own self, with others, my loved ones, my patients, my community, and uh, my my faith in God yeah. as well. That connection is really important as well. And so spending time and energy and attention nurturing those connections is really important to me for brain health, you know, learning about communication skills now mm -hmm. being married 22 years and wow congratulations having, thank you <laughs> having two teenagers and a preteen learning about communication skills and practicing you know, kindness and deep listening and grace <laughs> all of those things have been really important um, learning about love languages for my kiddos and Oh, yeah. people around me so that that's key and you know I think we just we need more of that in today's world yeah, we definitely do and you know I love that you you drew across the five pillar what I like to call the five pillars of brain health as you talked about okay. our emotions it's just our feelings so we remember it by saying let's look at the facts so first is feelings the second and you really love I love that you really dive deep into this was to look at our actions which covers everything from what we do to our nutrition, to our sleep routines, to our exercise. And then the connections, uh, see as connections to ourselves and to others and to a higher 
purpose, whether that's a spirituality or just a sense of connection to nature or something that's bigger than ourselves. And then we talked, you talked a little bit about our thoughts and how that can influence us. And then finally, we have our surroundings, which completely uh, can affect us. And obviously your surroundings is a during your medical years and your surroundings in you know with your family your the people that you surround yourself with as well can really influence how you how you show up and it's important that you know as as parents we recreate the right surroundings for our kids to flourish as well and you know what I think is really fascinating which I loved how you introduced it initially and because you mentioned that it's about making sure your body is working properly and people often think that the brain is kind of disconnected from the body it's this separate entity that we just look at from a from a, a structural perspective but we don't mm-hmm. look at how it's so important it's the, the the organ that runs everything in our body and how it's how its function affects every other function or nearly every other function in a body, depending on the communication channels that we have going on within our body. Mm-hmm. I'd love to explore your story um, that got you to to where you are today, and particularly you mentioned overwhelm and near burnout mm-hmm. at the beginning. Could you could you just take us back to the to, to sure. tell you about your story. Sure, and I love that we're so on the same wavelength, <laughs> Ruth, about brain health. It's it's just fun to have that connection with you. Thank you. Well, I will tell you, first of all, that it is definitely very vulnerable and a little bit scary to be transparent about my own story uh-huh. as as a physician, especially and in society in general, it just kind of trains us or programs us to put on this mask of everything's perfect. I have it all together, you know, yeah. no troubles. And I, I've definitely learned on my journey that being vulnerable and sharing, you know, where I struggle and the pain points that I have, that's the way to get genuine connection mm. with others. And it's its really been a beautiful thing. I've had a lot of physicians actually reach out to me, just little bits where I've shared my story here and there. And its it's been uh, really gratifying to do that. So I'm being courageous. Yeah. And vulnerability <laughs> is our greatest strength often, because like you say, we can have that connection. So yeah. thank you for, for being willing to do that. Yeah. Well, I will give you the my childhood in a nutshell. I grew up in middle America in kind of the suburbs of St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and I had a, a kind of a golden childhood. I had loving parents, a wonderful sister. I did really well in school. I was artistic and excelled in sports and you know, that's all wonderful, but it actually really started this um pattern of perfectionism and people pleasing and I know that we I've I've heard a little of your story that we share that in common that we're both recovering perfectionists and so I think that's you know kind of some of the background that this all started this just um, wanting to please everyone and and have it have that mask on like I have it Uh all together and so there really is this thread of perfectionism throughout my life story 
and it, you know, and I excelled in undergraduate, got a BS in biology at St. Louis University. Then I went to St. Uh, then I went to Loyola University of Chicago mm-hmm. for medical school and started to get some performance anxiety at that oh, time. Okay. You know, and that's it's pretty common and because you're put on the spot a lot in, in mm-hmm. medical school and and you know maybe I deal with that a little bit today even. I, and I can share that I um when I was going through university as well, yeah. um I went to Imperial College and it, I ended up getting performance anxiety too mm-hmm. because I came from being at the top of the class almost at, at school to going to university and and not being at the top of the class by any stretch of the imagination mm. and it was a real struggle uh, and I I became I, I had that I can I can really relate to that anxiety mm-hmm. of doing exams um, is really challenging and I still find it the same today. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's we're always growing and evolving and getting free of those <laughs> things each day. So, uh, so then we moved down to Asheville, North Carolina, uh-huh. for my family medicine residency training. I got married and I had my first baby during my third year of, of residency, wow. which is truly just a very challenging thing because we wow. were already dealing with major sleep deprivation from the training and then you yeah. had on top a breastfeeding baby and of course I wanted to do it just right and yeah. <laughs> I would you know pump my breast milk every few hours during my on calls at the hospital and just really warm my body out but didn't fully recognize it until I started having some health issues uh, yeah. several years later so I had my first job was in a community health center in Hendersonville, North Carolina, taking care of migrant farm workers. And it was, it was beautiful work. And I enjoyed it to some degree, but I just, I didn't feel like I was able to connect with people or help Uh them at the level that I wanted to. And so I shifted into private practice in rural Georgia, had a primary care practice with a dear friend of mine from residency. And it was, you know, birth to death. We rounded the hospital every morning. I rounded at the nursing home, took care of hospice patients, attended deliveries, had my office work, and I had three little kiddos. Wow. (laughs) Being a business owner, there was just so many pressures. And I didn't, I basically just was in survival mode for many years doing that. And ironically, it was my uh, entry into lifestyle medicine for my patients and my practice that that really caused the greatest burnout and difficulty for me because of the disconnect that there is with the third-party payer system, with the insurance mm-hmm. companies and the government programs not rewarding doctors for taking that in-depth time to do counseling, but rather you get rewarded for a, quote, quick bedside manner mm-hmm. <laughs> you know typical doctor's office's visit is about seven minutes long and there's yeah. not much you can do in that time frame besides you know quickly put put someone in a, a box of a diagnosis and give them a prescription maybe order some lab test and we'll see in three months how you're doing mm. and 
and that's where the you know the moral injury came in for me mm -hmm. is over and over again i felt like i was not in a position to be able to freely give patients what they needed and mm -hmm. you know when they're coming to you with very serious problems uh, mental health issues abuse real pain and suffering and and you know that they either need your listening ear and or you know in-depth counseling and you're mm -hmm. not able to give that it it just was a great conflict for me and so that's kind of what spurred me on to break away from my traditional private practice and and go more into lifestyle integrative holistic medicine and mm -hmm. at first for several years i tried to do that within the insurance system and it just sucked the life out of me because mm -hmm. i was working non-stop to try to be able to financially overcome that handicap yeah you know, where you're spending longer with patients. And so that that's a bit of my early journey. Thankfully, over the last several years, I've been able to kind of break those, we call them golden handcuffs <laughs> of being in a, you know, a board certified doctor. So I've got regulatory boards and all, all mm -hmm. sorts of regulations over me and uh, multiple six figures of student loan debt. It's a common kind of underappreciated um, phenomenon in the medical profession is doctors often, they just pour their whole adolescence and young life into becoming a doctor. They get all this debt and then you enter a broken system mm. and it really limits your options of you know, freedom to be able to practice in accordance with your conscience. So it's it's been a great struggle. Mm. <laughs> uh, personally, health-wise, financially, to come up against that system. But thankfully, I've I've found a way, an escape plan, just to have a, a really small, simple private practice where I work directly for my patients and kind of cut the third parties out of the exam mm -hmm. room. And, and, you know, so as I've been healing my occupation, I've, I've also been doing my best to walk the walk Healing yourself yes exactly wow and you know thank you so much for sharing that story because I think it's something that will really resonate with the listeners that there's so many people out there who <clears throat> are in your position as yeah. as medical practitioners who who really feel handcuffed to a system that is ultimately broken and and living with in their core values which is helping others in the best you know giving people the best care and the, and the system has become a, a has become a system that serves itself rather than serves right. the people it's there to serve and and it's the same for me here in in the UK is that we, we the messaging that we have is protect the system uh -huh. uh, and then save lives yeah. Uh, not protect the people <laughs> and save lives and make people better <laughs> and help people be well. And and I think it's it's really uh, it, it's a really deep endemic issue. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what the fix the long term fix is where we've created this uh, this kind of whole 
system infrastructures being created um, to to make money yeah. and and to serve the the systems that sit within that money infrastructure and not necessarily to serve people in with the best care possible to help them recover and ultimately get better and excel in yeah. in in their whatever their brain type is and whatever their capability is and not not to bucket them into into this space of as you say diagnostic uh, treatment based on symptoms rather than understanding what the root root cause is. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think the answer is we need to heal ourselves from within the system. You know, the doctor people, young people that go to become a doctor tend to be super bright and compassionate and have wonderful aspirations of mm -hmm. helping people but then you get this kind of compassion fatigue that sets in just because of the the brutalness of the training and the culture within medicine just to suppress your own your own needs and and desires mm -hmm. and, and so it's it's really we need to heal the healers and and yeah. empower them to heal each other and and the system so I'd, I'd love to know, um, you know, you, you diverged in or, or uh, moved into brain health. What inspired you to get into brain health? What was the driver behind moving oh, into that? Great question. So I think because I'm a woman and I am compassionate and I've always had this kind of deep listening skills that I in, use in my patient interactions, I've drawn a lot of people with mental illness over the years. And, and so it started in that way that I, I just really um, looked to integrative and functional medicine to help people with mood disorders. Uh -huh. And, but I never applied that to cognitive decline because I was stuck in this mindset of what I was taught in medical school uh -huh. that dementia is a progressive neurodegenerative disease that there's nothing you can do anything about once somebody has it. And, and so I just didn't really have any hope for that uh, condition for people until I got the opportunity to meet Dr. Dale Bredesen in 2016. Oh, yeah. I got to travel to California to the Buck Institute for Research on Aging and you know, meet his whole team and hear about all his cases. Uh, we watched patient videos and even had a patient come and share her story with us. And it was just incredible <laughs> and his book the end of alzheimer's and he's written many more hasn't he mm -hmm. yeah. it is really a, a great almost a bible for how to um the steps you need to take to help people um win back their brain health again yeah it, it was just uh the, the fact that he he took what I was already doing, integrative functional medicine, and applied it to something so severe as cognitive decline and dementia, it was just really validating of the work that mm -hmm. I was already doing. And I just kind of got pulled into it after that. And, and now I'd say probably my practice is 70, 80% 
helping people prevent and and work on reversing cognitive decline now yeah so it's just uh it's just been a really neat path do you know i think that's a fa- i think it's fascinating that you've moved into that space i'm really passionate about it because one of the reasons i first went to the amen clinics myself personally and got really interested mm-hmm. in brain health was because i noticed i was I was struggling with recalling words mm-hmm. and I thought this isn't right. <clears throat> There's no history of Alzheimer's disease in my family, but I knew that, that something wasn't right and I needed to find out why. And, and that led me into the brain health, you know, becoming a brain health professional through mm-hmm. the Amen University. But I'd love to know from your experience, um, from all the work that you're doing now with your clients, what would you say is the early warning signs for cognitive decline or early warning signs that something is is happening? Yeah. Well, I would say that even before you get to early warning signs, there are key things about someone's (laughs) history that would make me just pay more attention any anxiety or depression in you know especially in in midlife that can be a sign that there's something going on with the brain that eventually decades later may manifest as depression and it can also be a cause of cognitive decline so mental health concerns is is a you know red flag and also, of course, family history is important. It's not mm. the end all, be all. But in terms of warning for raising red flags, if there is something going on at present, it's typically more than just your, um, you know, misplacing your keys here and there. I mean, we all we all have brains. <laughs> difficulties from time to time, but um, spatial issues, getting confused about directions, especially Mm. a route you've taken a long time, that is definitely a warning sign. The hippocampal area in the center of the brain is is the main area that's affected by Alzheimer's disease, and Mm -hmm. that helps us store a lot of spatial information. So challenges with navigating, losing your way. Um, Also facial recognition. Mm -hmm. That's a part of the hippocampal function. So uh, having difficulty recognizing people that should be familiar to you. Uh, Word finding difficulties, I think, are an important sign. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be simply a sign that you're not getting enough sleep or that you're overly stressed. But I find that a lot of people tend to blame it on that for too long before they, you know, look deeper. Um, But, but anything in terms of your brain function, anxiety, attention issues, change in your sleep patterns, sleep deprivation, uh, those sort of things. And personality changes can be an early sign that there is mm. some neurodegeneration going on. And that often 
comes uh, to attention with interpersonal conflict, especially marriage uh, relationships. So mm-hmm. sometimes with, when spouses are just not seeming to communicate or something just seems off, sometimes it's because there's some cognitive decline going on in a partner. Mm-hmm. And do you know, I think it must be quite difficult in considering, you know, where we're at from a, a, um, the environment we're in at the moment is because we're not connecting necessarily mm-hmm. as much as we would have done. We're not doing the driving to notice uh, as much as we would have done to notice the shifts that yeah. are happening cognitively. And so um, where people have been really active and they're less active, that observational change could be slower because, sure. of, because of the change in circumstances. But I also note from people I've connected with who who have been in, for example, the sports um, world mm-hmm. where they've had to take a pause, stop and reflect yeah. um, because of because of the current situation is they've realized something is really wrong because they've mm-hmm. been able to take that time out and and realize their brain is in trouble. Um, and then get and then seek out the the support that they need. And one of the big issues um, here in the and I know it's the same over there in the states is the complete um, uh, lack of appreciation that head trauma can have, the oh, impact absolutely. that can have on on cognitive decline as well. Absolutely, it is terribly under recognized and. Uh, Dr. Amen has really helped to open my eyes to that. Even mm-hmm. you know, even in kids with sports, got yeah, like I said three daughters and playing soccer and all sorts of <laughs> contact sports, and and it's it's a big big deal mm-hmm. in terms of our the impact it can have on cognitive decline. That's part of my intake questions for every patient that I see, regardless if they've had mm-hmm. any concerns about cognitive decline is what kind of head trauma have you had? And Yeah. And it can be the same for me when I talk to my clients is it can be a, um, you have to ask the questions again, don't you? Because <laughs> people downplay it. Right. Because historically we've been told, you know, by the traditional medicine that if unless you crack your skull open that's right there's no trauma but you don't have to crack your skull open <laughs> to right. have brain trauma <laughs> and to bruise your brain and to damage it um and that can really impact you know you 20 30 years da- down the line so kids that are getting impact you know mental health issues you all, all of the things you've mentioned stress anxiety head trauma um, family history comes into play as well can all uh you know can have a knock-on impact further down the line um and, and le- potentially um put them at risk of of cognitive decline absolutely so so key prevention yeah. is the key prevention is <laughs> the, key. the helmet so i'd love to explore because <clears throat> i know we talked about the the mind body connection or the brain body connection what was it that you noticed yourself from an early warning sign that you were in trouble 
personally? Sure. What, what were the signs well, for you personally? They weren't subtle. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I would have listened. Yeah, <laughs> they we were forget. more subtle. And that's a big part of this lesson mm -hmm. and the growth in my own health journey has been that symptoms are not something just to be band-aided and snuffed out. They're actually friendly. There are bodies signals and messages that, you know, hey, pay attention. <laughs> There's Take something action. going on here <laughs> that we need to we need to look at. And so the body will keep talking louder and louder until you pay attention and address whatever is going on. And so, oh my goodness, I, I had just everything under the sun. My blood pressure started spiking, wow. dizzy episodes. I I had panic attacks. I, my yeah. I, I was depressed. I would, um, you know, I had all sorts of digestive issues going on. So pretty much all of my systems <laughs> were We're starting to shut down. Yes, and thankfully. I paid attention quick enough that I've been able to to recover, and I'm so grateful for that. Wow! And what was what was your what was the first step that you 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 took to really help you on that journey of recovery yeah. for yourself personally? If you mind sharing that, yeah, I think it is just the courage to. It actually, I remember the moment that it happened. Uh, it was on my my 40th birthday. <laughs> I was driving to, actually driving home from the Grand Canyon. I took a trip with my mom who was dying of wow. cancer at the time. We went out to Sedona, Arizona, and we were driving back from the Grand Canyon. And I was, you know, gazing out the window, sort of pensive. And she asked me what I was thinking about. And I said, I need to, I need to make a change in my life. And I was thinking about, you know, ways to kind of heal my, my practice, uh, getting out of that dysfunctional system. And so I think it was just courage to take that next step to extract myself from that um, system that I tried and tried to make work. And so courage was the first thing. <laughs> And also just having a sense of care for my body and mm. making these decisions to continually allow myself to restructure everyday life so that I can actually, you know, sleep and eat and spend time with my family and, and to be able to have that creative expression that I can mm. have now within the context of being an independent uh, private physician, that that's huge toward nourishing my soul and, and helping me to be flourishing and be um, authentic. So uh, all of that, and, and I would say probably one of the most powerful things has been my physical fitness you know, starting jogging again and then working out with a personal trainer and just really prioritizing that. That that's that's my happy place <laughs> where I can yeah. go and just get stronger and more resilient there. So the, the physical fitness piece has been huge. And then 
number one, I would say is my spiritual journey, just really diving deep with that, with my connection to God and with community, my faith. Yeah. Do you know, thank you for sharing that, because I don't think many people think about the importance of the spiritual connection piece from a well-being perspective. And I like to look at those four quadrants, your emotional, your physical, your mental and your spiritual. And they're all really important, um, irrespective of whether you have a faith, is that spiritual connection to something that is meaningful for you so that you can find meaning in your life. And also that you can live, feel that you're living purposefully and also passionately. So you're doing something that lights you up inside it is, is so important. I, I'd love to dive into the fun, some fun facts. Okay. <laughs> fun facts. Before we go on to the gut brain connection, which I'd love to talk about sure. next, and, the, and that mind body connection piece that's so important. Um, so the fun fact is looking at the five pillars of brain health. Remember okay. by the mnemonic facts, feelings, yeah. actions, connections, thoughts, and okay. surroundings. So let's just dive into actions. What's the craziest thing you've ever done? The craziest thing I've ever done. Well, it would I would have to say starting, <laughs> taking that first leap from conventional medicine into a solo private practice owner when I had an infant toddler and a child at home and totally on a shoestring budget. I do think I should probably have questioned my sanity, but <laughs> I was just doing what I felt like I needed to survive. And, you know, it was a stepping stone. So I've not jumped out of any airplanes or anything oh, like no, that. My... that. But I mean, that's a really big thing is, is taking that first step, but living into your values mm -hmm. and knowing that you can be congruent with them. Uh, and move forward in you know your our values guide us in life and when we're off with our values we we get sick because well, we, we, we're not we're not living our, our authentic self are we so I think that taking that courageous step and doing it on a shoestring budget it, it just goes to show that you can do it with when you put your mind to it and you have that that faith um behind yourself that you're capable okay connection to to yourself talking about values what's your most important value that guides you in life value well i have three core values faith family and fitness and then oh, i actually wow. added a fourth i added fun because i <laughs> that doesn't come supernatural for me and they're all f's and easy to remember um, but I'd say probably my faith is the number one thing that wow. I have a really deep faith in God and that drives all of my decisions and, and really my whole life. So I'm very grateful wow. to that. I, I try to live my life by the golden rule and that's what got me in such trouble, <laughs> you know, trying to survive in the conventional healthcare system. Yeah. yeah. So. And I think it's really, you know, I love the fact that you've got four Fs because I think that <laughs> it's easy to remember, isn't it, as well? I love things that are easy to remember because yeah. then it's easy to guide yourself. You can easily check in. So next one is connection to others. Who's been your real role model in life? That's an easy one. That is definitely my mom. Oh. Um, just a 
incredible human being. She she actually died five years ago, but she has left a phenomenal legacy. And she's, um, goodness, she was a chemist before there were hardly any women in the field. So definitely inspired me in that way. But also just as a mom, just extremely loving and compassionate and so selflessly (laughs) devoted to her family. Uh, when she was in her mid fifties, my dad and my mom, they sold the family home, quit their jobs and they walked the entire Appalachian trail. They walked the Pacific. Wow, that's a Georgia, great trail. That's beautiful. Georgia to Maine over 2000 miles. And then they walked the Pacific Crest Trail, the Colorado Trail, the Florida Trail. And even before she died, they went out to Spain and did the El Camino wow. there. So I really, I feel like her life was art and I'm still learning from her by contemplating the way that she lived her life. So really grateful for my mom. And and thank you so much for sharing that because I can really relate. My dad is the role model for me and I'm still learning (laughs) from the way he lived his life. And I think for many people, it's, it can be parents obviously depending how, how great the parental relationship was, but a lot of people have said it's it's their a parental member that's really been a role model. And she sounds such a phenomenal woman to do do sure. so much and to still keep teaching you mm-hmm. um, is is such a great legacy to to lead. So I'd love to explore the next one is thoughts. What is the most stupid or crazy thought you've told yourself oh. <laughs> um, in the past that isn't true? And this comes it back to killing true. the ants, the automatic negative the brain thoughts. ants, yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I have plenty of those. <laughs> I would say one of the most pervasive ones, and I think I'm finally free of it, is that I would tell myself, I beat myself up for my sensitivity and for just being unable to fit in my my round self in that square Um whole of being a conventional doctor because my life could have been a lot easier if I would have just followed that straight path and it's it caused me a lot of suffering and financial strain Uh, so it was true on some level but now you know the the thought I I do recognize it as a gift now that you know I that was (laughs) it was the truish truest expression of myself to stay true to that and and when I see what's happening in the our healthcare system now with COVID you know with the pandemic just crushing the medical system and my colleagues I have such compassion for what they're you know they're dealing with burnout and moral Mm -hmm. injury and um, you know I'm just grateful that I figured out fairly early on in in my career how to escape that and I just my heart goes out to mm. people in healthcare now and, and the Absolutely. challenges so many are looking for a way out and they're just mm. really struggling yeah it's really hard and, and thank you for sharing that because you know <clears throat> I'd love to go back to the the the, the round peg in a square hole is <laughs> it, it is you is you obviously weren't supposed to be in that hole and that's right and it, you know we could easily take the the main road 
uh, like you know your like your mum's journey she could have taken the car mm -hmm. to get to a destination but there's no beauty or enjoyment in that that the 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 enjoyment the joy comes from your four f's that's right <laughs> that you mentioned um and and going the journey yourself that's right uh, and having an you know seeing things that you wouldn't other see otherwise see by taking it slower and uncovering yeah. you know if you think about your mum's path it's a lot of much slower journey but actually mm -hmm. you discover things in much greater detail and you see much more beauty and, and if you reflect the beauty within the patient and the beauty within the opportunities that present are presented to the patient by by doing the walking yeah. and going on that journey with them rather than trying to race them from from a to b what a beautiful observation thank you for, <laughs> for no, noticing that <laughs> Yeah. And so so tying in with that, you know, with the beauty of the journey is is for surroundings, which is which is the fifth pillar. And you've talked about how your surroundings really, really uh, from the medical professional, the structure of the whole system really depleted you personally. Mm -hmm. But what for you from a surroundings is the most beautiful place you've ever visited? Hmm. What made it so special? Goodness. Well, I have definitely been privileged to do a lot of travel. I've got to go to the Caribbean, to Mexico, to Canada, and to Europe. Wow. And um, I definitely Sedona, Arizona, that trip that I took with my mom. Mm -hmm. And then later I met up with my girlfriends from medical school there. Again, that is a very special place in Sedona. But if I had to pick one, I would pick the mountains of Western North Carolina, wow. where I live. We have just gorgeous green mountains and hiking, waterfalls. I love spending time in nature, out oh, hiking and being active with my family and friends. So Asheville, North Carolina area where I call home is, wow. is the most. Wow, wonderful. that's amazing that you found that beautiful place and it's actually your your, your front doorstep so that's right how wonderful so I'd love to dive into the brain body connection piece that we mm -hmm. often overlook from a, a diagnostic perspective it's often the last thing that people talk about everybody gets told to you know take the medication and medication actually of not necessarily the first thing that we should be doing it's the last thing that we should be looking at what what for you is is often the missing piece when we we come to the to the brain body connection what's often overlooked would you say that that by taking that slow walk it's much easier to uncover yeah, yeah. i would say mindset the mm -hmm. what's in between our ears and just the way that we're framing our experiences and and you know our idea of if we can get better if it's even possible so mindset is a biggie that i work with my patients on environmental medicine is also huge so from the mercury amalgams in our teeth to mold and either in the workplace or at home that can have a big impact on brain health hidden infections so yeah. tick bites, Lyme disease, and the co-infections, 
those are often overlooked. And they can present as depression as well, can't they? So having yeah. Lyme's disease is one of the root causes of depression. Absolutely. So you could treat somebody with antidepressants, but it won't actually remove it because you have to treat them with antibiotics. Uh, Sometimes antibiotics, but also just supporting the whole system. Whole immune hormonal system. Hormonal balance to gut microbiome, to mm. mitochondrial health, to detoxification systems. So there's there's a lot of layers to that. Mm -hmm. And, I, I, you know, I find this whole uh, gut microbiome piece or microbiota, depending on how you want to call it, it really fascinating because it's it's rarely talked about. My my, my daughter was born by C-section, uh -huh. and so she she didn't um, get the microbiome uh, bathing in in bugs from me that that she would have done if she, if I'd given birth naturally. And she struggled with um, her a lot of coughs and and mm -hmm. infections as an early baby. And the default was to uh, you know from a uh, visiting the doctor um, was to treat her with antibiotics, uh -huh. yes. which actually <laughs> killed her any, any gut sure. bacteria That's... that are healthy in her in the first place. And and it it hasn't been until uh, we've put her on a um, a probiotic probiotics mm -hmm. uh, that that she's she's actually reduced her her. Um, infection and and how how bad her coughs and and colds have been and she's been able to kind of rebuild her system great but it's very difficult isn't it for people to to know <laughs> what to do unless they get the right advice and they get almost brainwashed as mm -hmm. it were into this traditional approach that um that doesn't take this integrated view yeah, I'm I'm hopeful though that this information about the microbiome is going to make its way into conventional medical training at some yeah. point. It's there we're at the beginnings of that, but but yeah. you're right and you know cesarean section she did actually get bathed in a microbiome it just happens to be your skin microbiome. Yeah. I I learned that we can take a 50-year-old person and scientists can tell whether they were born via cesarean section or vaginal birth just by sequencing their microbiome and wow. seeing if there's skin flora versus the typical wow. vaginal flora. And that does indeed have long lasting impact on, yeah. on the health of the child and even as an adult. Yeah. But there is a lot we can do to, to nurture our microbiome and cultivate more diversity definitely number one thing that we have control over is what we put in our mouth mm -hmm. in terms of food the plant material like i said the the rainbow of colors of food and the fiber are what's really key with plants to help mm -hmm. nurture the microbiome when we eat fiber the bacteria in the gut feed on that and then they create butyrate and other helpful compounds that actually feed the lining of our intestines and keep make it strong intestinal, yes integrity <laughs> there and kind of 
breed uh, diversity within the microbiome so you can ward off pathogenic bacteria. Mm. So there's there's just so much <laughs> to be said on this topic. I'm, I'm very passionate about protecting mm. the microbiome. That's one thing I feel like as a mom, I'm, I'm the protector of their microbiome the best I can while they're in my care and that's a big job there's a it's lot it's quite difficult as well you know it. with the with the food industry is there's yeah. put so much junk in food it's very difficult unless you go completely clean whole foods mm -hmm. it's very difficult to keep your children away from foods that actually don't serve their microbiome and actually can really disrupt it yeah. um and especially with you know, the way they farm foods now as well. Mm -hmm. Even if you think mm -hmm. you are helping them, um, often it's not as much help as they need. Yeah. <laughs> um, because because of the genetic changes to the food, the, the um, pesticides that are introduced mm -hmm. into the foods can, can really um, be problematic for some children and yeah. adults as well. Um, which leads to allergies, isn't it? So I think it's, I agree with you, it's such an enormous topic, which I don't think gets enough airtime yeah. for people to really better understand the the key things, the key steps that they could take. What would you, what do you often find is a common issue that's that relates to the, your patient's uh, gut microbiome that that is that can be fixed through appropriate nutritional support. Sure. Okay. Well, goodness, you could list uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of <laughs> disease processes that are related to microbiome disruption. Everything from autism, breast cancer, PCOS, neurodegenerative changes. Parkinson's, even Alzheimer's disease can be yeah. related to a disrupted microbiome. It could be one of the factors. Yeah. Some of the more um, direct, easier things to address are just when the intestinal system is giving you clues that the microbiome is off. So bloating, belching, indigestion, diarrhea, yeah. constipation, those sort of things are, are clues that there's probably something going on with the microbiome. And, you know, we take a, a very comprehensive approach to it. At, at some point or another, most of my patients go through either an allergen elimination mm -hmm. type diet, advanced stool testing to mm -hmm. look at the microbiome, look at functional markers. And then we try to get back to basics with, with the diet, get rid of processed foods and, and just really try to get a lot of plant material and fiber into their system and address any anything um, in terms of deficiencies, whether they might not have enough hydrochloric acid mm -hmm. or bile salts or pancreatic mm -hmm. enzymes, or there might be difficulty with the migrating motor complex in the gut with the motility. So there's, there's, uh, actually, the 5R functional medicine approach, are you familiar with? I, no, I'm not that familiar yeah. with it, but I'd it's, love to hear it. Yeah, it's a, a framework for dealing with gastrointestinal dysfunction. Uh -huh. So just five R's. 
remove, replace, re-inoculate, repair, and rebalance. Wow. So the remove is simply taking things out of our system that don't belong that there, are not serving us. So everything <laughs> from food allergies to yeah. pesticides, toxins, parasites, yeah. overgrowth of bacteria. And I also take it into the psychosocial spiritual realm of yeah. me behaviors or thoughts or mindsets Stresses. that are not serving us. So that's yeah. the first R. Obviously many layers <laughs> to that, to addressing it. it's a multiple yeah. step process. And then replacing is, is giving your body what it needs, what it, that it's missing. So as I mentioned, the bile salts, hydrochloric acid, pancreatic enzymes, yeah. or sunshine, movement, nurturing yeah. <laughs> so relationships, connection, that sort of thing. So it's remove, replace, re-inoculate, which probiotics are great kind of uh, initial steps to helping replace. Yeah. But to truly shift the microbiome and to have lasting changes, you, it has to be through diet and lifestyle. Because yeah. once you stop a probiotic, you lose the effect. You lose it. Mm -hmm. So there's remove, replace, re-inoculate, and then repair. Mm -hmm. I hinted about the uh, intestinal integrity, the lining being very mm -hmm. important. We have this term leaky gut, leaky gut. Uh, <laughs> or intestinal permeability that can happen for a multitude of reasons from antibiotics to steroids, anti-inflammatories, stress, uh -huh. sugar, alcohol, uh, the list is long. But we can repair the lining through gentle nutraceuticals, botanicals, slippery elm bark, marshmallow root, aloe vera, um, turmeric, vitamin D, mm. and even probiotics can be helpful in that, as well as all the other steps, the remove mm -hmm. and the replace, and the re-inoculate mm -hmm. can help with the lining. And then rebalance is just simply recognizing that it's not just a one and done thing. You've got to rebalance your lifestyle to be able to keep these changes going longer term yeah do you know i love that i always love thank you so much for sharing that really important piece of wisdom because i think it's so important to make sure that we rebalance and and look and look after ourselves because like you say it's not a one and done thing and yeah. uh, we need to be constantly working whether it's our gut health or our brain health or our whole body health whatever way you look at it it's not we don't just do a fix <laughs> and then it's finished. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have to maintain it over the long term in the mm -hmm. same way we have to maintain, you know, our, the right eating habits. Everything needs to be maintained. That's right. Um, like we look after the, you know, our car engine, we have to maintain it. And it's so important that we that we do from a our engine of life, which is our brain and our, our gut is absolutely so important and vital to feeding our brain the right chemicals for our brain to function if effectively what what one piece of advice given this show is all about brain health and unchaining your pain what one piece of advice would you give anybody who is and i'd love to go back to the to your core story which is is a uh, you know anybody in the medical profession who's really struggling with yeah. with burnout or or overwhelm and, and they don't feel like they're living into their 
true purpose, their core values, what one piece of advice would you give anyone that, that you know, is feeling their, their systems are starting to, to shut down and their body's saying no? Oh, that's a, a beautiful question. <laughs> Thank you for asking me. And uh, part of my joy prescription is God gave me an acrostic for it. And it, the J-O-Y is a process that I use to this day to drop in when I'm in a dark place or you know, having negative thoughts or feeling trapped. I... The, the J stands for just be still, breathe, and surrender. So that, I, I had to learn, it was, that was a challenge for me to learn because I'm a doer, I'm a fixer. <laughs> and, and that J is so critical because it can bring you into peace just in the moment, even when you're, you know, in the midst of a great storm or trial that you're dealing yeah. with so that j and then o is this open your heart kind of posture of okay uh, i'm i'm ready to receive i'm ready to be open to the good that life has for me yeah. whatever uh, whatever there is to learn in this opportunity slash challenge that I'm going through. So the O is to open your heart to the good and the potential. And the Y is the yes, the yes piece, just knowing that we we have a choice in this process of, of change and, and just kind of uh, being in alignment with it and, and moving forward. So and my main advice is just to never give up and yeah. just take that next step forward that, you know, it's, it's definitely a marathon yeah. being in healthcare and, and just life in general yeah. and that there's, there's help. So definitely reach out, reach yeah. out to Dr. Ruth, the work that you're <laughs> doing or, you know, your doctor or counselor or pastor or a trusted yeah. friend, they're just, reach out and ask for help. And now yeah. there's so many groups online. I, I'm part of a lot of doctor forums on Facebook and different places. And it's it's really neat to see the connection that's happening and people reaching out and, yeah. and uh, comforting each other and, and learning from each other. Yeah. Apparently. And you know, I love your joy prescription because <laughs> just be still. Mm -hmm is a really important first step it is. And, and action doesn't mean moving <laughs> forward sometimes action is pausing mm -hmm. is an action and sometimes we have to take that pause in life to That's to right. really have the opportunity to like you say the second step is to open your heart mm -hmm. and, and if we don't pause our heart doesn't have that time to to rest and right. and think about what do what what do I need to open myself? What possibilities can I open myself to? What what is what is it that I need to surrender to, to allow myself permission to feel and to me permission to to just be who I want to be? Which you which you mentioned, you know that importance of living into who you authentically were. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and being that person, allowing yourself that permission to be a circle, not a square. (laughs) 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 You know, and and, and that journey that you went with your mum is is Mm -hmm. just be still and open Mm -hmm. your heart, which is exactly what you did. And then, and yes, that I love that last step is, is that kind of finding the answer mm-hmm. that is right right for you. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Cindy, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank for you sharing so your story and giving people in you know in your profession that hope that there is there is a life out there that they can lead that's on their terms mm. that they can still have that passion and that purpose about to fulfil their what they feel is their core mission without without the you know, without burnout and without feeling that they are off purpose or moving away, moving away from their core values. How can people uh, connect with you and find out more about what you do? Sure. Well, I have two websites. Caringforthebody.org is my clinical practice. So you can find out about the work that I do working one-on-one with patients in a medical setting. I actually have a uh, free 10-part mini course for people there. They can sign up for that. And then I also have thejoyprescription.com, which is my ministry outreach where I share my faith and this joy prescription that I've been alluding to Mm -hmm. with people. So I have a membership site there that they can access. Yeah, so do make sure you connect with um, Cindy. She's got a great breadth of experience um, in helping you unchaining your pain and also, you know, bringing her personal experience to to her practice and, and all of her expertise as well in terms of helping people with cognitive decline and gut health. And wow, what a breadth of knowledge that you have. Cindy, thank you so, so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. It's been a real, real pleasure And uh, if there's anything I can do to help you or your community or your practice and, you know, through the work that I do with Havening, then obviously I'm here to help you um, on any group coaching that you feel could be helpful and serve serve your wider community and and your colleagues as well. Well, thank Um, you so so much. Oh, no, you're most welcome. And I, I wish you every success in... In, in your practice and fulfilling your your beautiful mission and and that joy prescription that you are able to give to to your patients and um and to your wider a wider network and ministry so thank you so much for coming on the show well i'm super grateful to you dr ruth thank you for allowing me to share my story and, and for being who you are thank oh you. you're most welcome thank you you by WinCheck Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.